Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. L-O-T, the place I want to be. Come and sit down, have a foster chat with me. Welcome. Today we are on Foster Carolinas and we have the privilege of being with Katie Kiker, a licensing supervisor at Seven Homes. How are you today, Katie? I am doing great. Abby, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. Um, So we kind of want to start out in talking about, we've said several different things about why kids come into care. Um, We've learned about acronyms that people would hear surrounding foster care. Kathleen Burse from Fearless Fostering was on here, and she told us about how abnormal it is at, for for a family who is welcoming a child in, as well as the child themselves, yeah. um, to be in foster care. So we want to get a perspective from you that is private licensing agencies. Yeah. So can you please tell me about what Seven Homes does as a private, private agency? Absolutely. So we do um, training and licensing of mm-hmm private foster families. Mm -hmm. Um, So we take kids from, you know, public DSS agencies as well, Mm -hmm. but um, we focus on training our families, running them through the 30 hours worth of pre-service training, um, keeping them up to date on some of their in-service training, Mm -hmm. which is 10 hours um, per family per Mm -hmm. year, um, and really trying to focus on supporting those families. And then if they make it to adoption with those children, if that's where the case plan goes Mm -hmm. for those children that are in their home, we do um, have the ability to facilitate that adoption as well. Okay, very cool. That's awesome. Um, What is the goal of Seven Homes as far as like, what is your mission statement? Where is your heart um, of Seven Homes for these children that you serve and the families? So our heart is to treat the needs of the whole child. Okay. Um, So it's funny because people ask us all the time, what does Seven Homes stand for? Do you Mm -hmm. have you know, only seven homes, yeah. do you have seven offices, do you have seven kids? Yeah. We're like, no. <laughs> um, so the number seven, the way that Ken Maxwell, our mm-hmm. agency director, explained it to me years ago, because it was the very first question I asked him okay. was, what in the world does this mean? Yes. Um, he explained it that when they were starting the agency, when they were building it, mm-hmm. um, the number seven just kept popping up over and over again. And okay. we're a faith-based agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a faith-based agency, as Christians, we understand the number seven being the number of completion in the Bible. Um, And so that really just became kind of the DNA of seven homes. Okay. um, Is treating the every need of the child, the whole child, the whole brain of the child. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look at um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. and we look at spiritual and intellectual and educational and social and emotional and Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have started listing them because I'm probably going to leave one out. But all of those different needs, making sure we're not just looking at, are they physically safe in a foster home? Great. Done. Mm -hmm. But are they making friends? Yeah. Are we meeting their educational needs? You know, Mm -hmm. did they come in a couple years behind? Are we helping them catch up? Um, Are we meeting the needs of the family as a whole, too? When Mm -hmm. we look at their birth family, are there needs there that we could help meet through shared parenting or through other resources that we might have connections with? Mm -hmm. Um, So... That's our goal. That's our DNA. Um, it is fed through like our trauma-informed training that we mm-hmm. do through trust-based relational intervention mm-hmm. and really trying to meet the whole child and not just ticking boxes on That's case awesome. note kind of thing. That's you know? awesome. I did not know that. And we have worked closely with Seven Homes for a while, but yeah. I did not know that. So that's good to know. Yeah. I think that we share the heart in the fact that 
we're not taking boxes either. We right. don't want to give you, okay, so you're a 13-year-old girl, so this is what you would want for Christmas or this is what you want in a right. bag of hope. It is, hey, tell me about her. Tell right. me about what she likes. Um, so that's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to get to know you guys a little bit better yeah. through this. <laughs> yeah. Um, my next question for you is going to be, what do you guys offer families who are just getting into fostering? Yeah, so we start off with the training aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's kind of a... It's training, but even more than that, it's a mutual selection process. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we're not the only ones that say that. The idea mm-hmm. um, is that every agency or DSS or whoever's training is saying the same thing, that it's we have to choose you just as much as you have to choose us kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And you have to choose foster care because a lot mm-hmm. of people come into this having no idea what it is. Yes. Um, and so as we go through the 30 hours of training, initially we're teaching you about not just DSS and shared parenting and mm-hmm. foster care and what this looks like, but we're teaching you about our agency and that mutual selection process. And so we really try to open ourselves up and get to know each family individually and really try to be a part of their lives. Um, the application process is extensive <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, and that's across agencies. <laughs> yes, Lots of questions and foster families come back to us all the time and they're like, y'all really like, y'all ask a lot of questions. I'm like, yes, we do. That's for a reason. Um, yeah, exactly. There's so, a lot of reasons behind that. But mm-hmm. um, so we we run them through our, you know, pre-service training hours that are required mm-hmm. by the state of North Carolina. Um, we have some trauma-informed training that we specifically require, mm-hmm. um, a specific class that we will run them through, which is that trust-based relational intervention or TBRI. Yes. Um, we run them through a significant amount of that as well mm-hmm. before licensing, um, just because we we believe in the success of it and it speaks to the DNA of who we are as an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we license you yeah. um, at the end of that. If you believe that this is the right journey for your family and you mm-hmm. say, yeah, we're gung ho, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, we license you through the state of North Carolina and we do our best to support you along that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that looks differently a little bit, whether you're a brand new foster family, you know, at your very first placement, we're showing up to mm-hmm. and any placements that we can we're showing up to the very first time that that kid shows up at your door yeah. and we're helping you ask DSS the questions like you know doctor's appointments and needs for the child and oh you said this kid was seven and it looks to be about two feet tall What's, <laughs> where's the discrepancy there um and you know reminding our families to ask things in front of the kids like yeah when do they get to see their family mm. and that kind of support and then saying okay so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the office first thing in the morning and we're going to fill out a bag of hope requests for this child okay, at least yeah. these and yeah and reminding them about all the different supports reminding them about some of the requirements but really trying to drive home that we are here to support we're here mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. um all of us have like our work phones are our cell our cell phones. Yeah, I yeah. don't even hand out my office phone anymore yeah. <laughs> because it's I just call me on my cell phone, yes. text me. I don't really care what time it is. Yeah. Um we we just I tell my foster families all the time, y'all are the ones doing the hard work. I mm-hmm. get to call them and turn my phone off at night. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah. Um and so support and being available to our families on a twenty four seven basis, whether it's yeah. on call or whatever, mm-hmm. is really I feel like what we offer to families. Yeah. I think that you answered, you went ahead and answered my second question. My follow-up question to that, which was great, great, is that you're there when the kids get there. How, how do you, how are you in there with the families? And I see that so clearly through that, because I can't imagine, um, do plan to foster, but 
I haven't at the moment, but I can just imagine that that first interaction would be the probably the most daunting. Yeah. And so to have somebody here, okay, Katie, you're here. Thank you. Like just yeah, to settle course. that, um, not even rift, but like just yeah. awkwardness between it. Yeah. Somebody there who's done it before, yes. who, you know, can just break the ice up a little bit is, is really yeah. nice. And then, then following it up, I do love hearing, uh, come back to the office tomorrow. We'll follow a uh, fill out a bag of paper quest. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and here we go. <laughs> we're just all, we're all coming in because it yeah. does. I do believe so wholeheartedly in that it takes a village. Really does. Where I, and, and last week me and Selena talked about how I think there's just a lot of fear. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that people don't want to become foster parents. Yeah. I think that it's like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't right. even know how to do it. Right. So you guys coming in and meeting that, well, I'm going to be here with you. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love I love hearing that because yeah. um, everyone needs the support and they are doing a lot. They are. I yeah. mean, we're asking you to parent a child yeah. that you've, at that point, never met mm-hmm. before. Like, mm-hmm. we've given you about an email's worth of information. <laughs> yes. You know, a lot of our kids, we don't even have their full intake packet yeah. left. So, you know, we know only so much, and mm-hmm. we're giving you that, and we're asking you to trust us, mm-hmm. and we're trusting you with yeah. the placement of a child. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're we're trying to do our best. None of us have all the answers. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to do our best to help each other find the answers we don't have. Amen. There along you this road. Yes. That's I I love it. And um I see you guys doing that very well. Thank through. you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um this is a question that is not necessarily about seven homes, yeah. but as a licensing supervisor, I think you would have a lot of experience with this. Um do you think becoming a foster parent with the ultimate goal of adoption is quote unquote reasonable or wise. Yeah. I know that I know that it's common. And I think yes. that it comes with education to know that maybe it isn't. But I'm I'm I want to yeah. just hear your answer to that question. Yeah. I I love that question because I feel like it's something that we get a lot of mm-hmm. questions about as an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something that we typically get to address on mass. Okay. You know, yeah. we, we answer that question specifically family to family and mm-hmm. I feel like I say it over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> but to really address it in general, it is absolutely reasonable mm-hmm. and and beautiful and wonderful to want to adopt from foster care. Mm-hmm. There are kids in this country who need to be adopted out of foster care who's, for one reason or another, are not able to return to their mm-hmm. birth families. And that, that need is absolutely there. Mm-hmm. The thing that I will say is that, and I, and I think you mentioned it earlier, that the goal is reunification. Mm-hmm. And so where it becomes difficult is when families come in to foster and mm-hmm. say, we want to foster to adopt. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't like that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is foster care and there is adoption. Mm-hmm. Foster to adopt makes it sound like my goal is adoption. And if I have to foster first, yeah, I will. Yeah. And I know that's a hard mindset and I never want to make people feel bad about their heart mm-hmm. to give a child a loving, safe, permanent home. Absolutely. That is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I want to foster. Mm-hmm. I want to adopt from foster care. Yeah. Yeah. So I, ha- I share that same heart where it gets tricky is when families come in specifically and say, we want to foster to adopt and we only want children whose case plans are adoption yes. or we only want to adopt this, you know, two or three year age block and these neat, you know, we have had families in the past say, we don't want a kid with mental health issues Mm -hmm. or a kid with 
a family who has a history of mental health needs. And I'm like, yeah, that's like saying I don't want a kid with two eyeballs. Like, yeah. I don't know <laughs> how to make that happen for you. Yes. Um, so I think where we've seen the most success mm -hmm. and it's it's funny because the families that do this really well mm -hmm. to me have adopted the most. OK, where they have come in and said, look, we want to adopt. We would love to adopt down the road mm -hmm. if that's the goal of these kids mm -hmm. in our home. But we are here for the birth families. Yeah. We are here for the kids. We are here for the reunification. We mm -hmm. are here for functional families, as mm -hmm. my pastor called it a couple of weeks ago. Um, we are here to support families and put them back together. And when they can't be put together, mm -hmm. we will help fill that gap. Yes. And it's weird because I have seen families over and over again, the ones that have had that mindset mm -hmm. have, in my experience, been the ones who have had the most successful adoptions. Yeah. That's and awesome. it's, you know, that's the gospel is mm -hmm. to give up yourself. Foster care is not about you as a foster parent. No. It's mm -hmm. not. Um, and I celebrate our foster parents and I support mm -hmm. them and they're doing the hard work, like I said, but it's not about us. It's yeah. about the kid and it's about their family yeah. and meeting those needs. Absolutely. Um, I think that Susanna was just talking to us this morning in our meeting about she was at a church this past weekend speaking and she kind of said that to a family who was very, very close to wanting, like starting the process of becoming licensed. Yeah. And she was able to tell them, come talk to me. If I can talk you out of it, then it's probably not for you. But yeah. if I can't talk you out of it, go for it. I love that. Yeah. And I so she it. told them because they were like, OK, so you said don't fo don't foster with the um, intentions or like the ultimate goal of adopting. Right. Um, and she said, well. Think of the whole thing as a ministry. Think yes. of that family, the biological family, as a ministry. And yeah. where, what if the only encounter they have with someone um, that loves Jesus is you? Mm -hmm. And the only connection to a church yeah. they have is you. Yeah. Um, she said, see it all as a ministry. And so Absolutely. I was like, that's a, that's a good way to put it as these kids for sure need your loving home and, yeah. and uh, stability. But their their family needs yeah. needs somebody to love them just as much, and you Absolutely. can do both. So Absolutely. what a cool opportunity to be able to serve both parties. Yeah, um, in that way, I love that answer. Thank you very much for that, and You're your welcome. insight. You have great insight to that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so with reunification being the goal yeah. of foster care, do you have a personal success story? Obviously, we won't go into you know details about anybody. Yeah. But do you have a personal success story pertaining to reunification? Absolutely, it's probably my favorite story to I tell. I can't wait. I love it. I'm going to try not to cry. Okay. If you so, do, it's okay. Okay, good. We cry on Maybe this I'll podcast. Maybe I'll try to cry. It'll be, it'll be better. Um, so we have a a single foster dad okay. uh -huh. who has adopted one son mm -hmm. out of foster care. Mm -hmm. And he is one of these that, like I just mentioned, he is gung-ho for reunification. Mm -hmm. He is team birth family all the way. Awesome. To the point where I'm like, okay, you need to chill out because you're just one man. Like you <laughs> yeah. can't do all of this. Yeah. Um, but he has adopted one. He's on the way to adopting another. Mm -hmm. He has their youngest sibling in the home who's mm -hmm. a different case plan because they came into care at the different times. Mm -hmm. But if her plan comes up for adoption mm -hmm. too, you know, that very well. So he's on the road to adopting from foster care. Yeah. But he's had this mindset of families first. Mm -hmm. And he had he had a brother. So there were a set of three siblings. Mm -hmm. two, the two girls were placed in a separate family of ours. 
um, who actually volunteered for the least of these. Oh, very um, cool. And then he had their older brother. Mm-hmm. So they had to be split up for a couple of reasons. But this foster dad drove those three kids mm-hmm. to the beach like at uh-huh. least two weekends a month when it got toward the point where they were trying to do overnight visits and weekend visits. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to that point, those visits kick up mm-hmm. and they want to stay overnight. And this yeah. family, this mom had to get out of a situation. She went from like Buncombe County side mm-hmm. of North Carolina all the way to the beach oh, wow. to get a job, to get housing. She yeah. had to get out of some toxic situations mm-hmm. and she really put in the work to relocate herself. Mm-hmm. Um, her and their the kid's birth father. So again, a very rare where not just one, but uh-huh. both parents That's awesome. <laughs> really get everything back together. They went to rehab. They did what they needed to do, mm-hmm. but the visits were hard mm-hmm. um, and they couldn't afford to live in Charlotte because it was very expensive yes. <laughs> where yes. the kids are were placed. And this foster dad would pick up the two little girls from the other foster home mm-hmm. and take the boy that was in his home. And he would drive to the beach on like a Thursday or Friday, mm-hmm. drop the kids off at mom and dad's house, spend the night over the weekend and then pick them back up on Sunday and bring them all back to Charlotte. Yeah. Again, that is a lot. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't yes. expect, <laughs> I don't expect any of my foster parents yeah. to do that, but that mom right before those kids were reunified, Mm -hmm. she ended up coming back to Charlotte for a visit. And I got to go and talk to her and kind of, kind of sort of supervise the visit. It was technically unsupervised, but just kind of see everybody together. Yeah. And she needed a ride to meet her ride that Mm -hmm. was picking her up to bring her back to the beach. Yes. Um, So she asked me if I could take her and I said, yeah, sure. So we hop in my car after the visit and we're driving down the road and she just starts crying. And she says, Katie, thank you so much. And I was like, it's just a drive. Yeah. Like I'm just driving you to Walmart down the road. Yeah. She goes, no, thank you all you and this family and this family. And as an agency, mm. she said, I would not have be getting my kids back if it weren't for the support that you guys gave us yeah. as a family. And that just, I was like, Oh my gosh, well, we love you. And mm-hmm. I was so you know happy. And then she got out of my car and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> just the, that's why we do what we do. Yes. You yes. know, to keep these kids mm-hmm. with their families so that they can grow up with their parents mm-hmm. and to be able to keep families together and and build them back up stronger than they were before. I mean, she got out of a toxic situation on mm-hmm. the other side of the state, yeah. relocated herself to the complete opposite end yes. of the state yes. to build a better life for her children. Mm-hmm. And for her to say that she wouldn't have been able to do it without shared parenting and yeah. without the transports and without agencies calling her and saying, Hey, are you good? Mm-hmm. What do you need? Oh, you need money to go pay your cell phone bill this month. Great. We'll help mm-hmm. you. You need gas money to get to your job interview. Great. We'll help you Yeah, to be able to do those things for her and then see those kids reunified. It just, it's, it's my favorite story ever. I, yeah. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was not expecting that to be the story. That was just so good. That's like, it, that is success. That is a, a yeah. perfect picture of how far, I mean, yeah. Not everybody's that selfless. And y- yeah. you think, I mean, I would like to think I would do that every weekend or twi- every know. every two weeks. It's crazy. All the way to the beach. Yeah. She, and to that, that she was so, she was dedicated and just a little bit of help went yes. a long way with the, the drive that she had within herself to yeah. get her kids back. Yeah. Because I, again, I don't have biological kids, but I'm just thinking of 
that would have to be the most tragic thing that could happen. Oh yeah, is absolutely. And and you're just and and uh, you hope it's a wake up call, right? And then they they but we're for you. We are not absolutely. working against you. We are for you to get your kids back because that we know that is best for all of you. Right. So and that's why the thing you know, I like I said, I don't expect every foster parent to yeah. drive that far. Yeah. But whether it's doing something so out of the box like mm-hmm. that or inviting them over because that family also invited mom over to spend the night on Christmas Eve so she yeah. could wake up with her kids on Christmas I love Day. That. Like and and gave her like like I said, gas mailed mm-hmm. her gas cards so that she could get to her job interview, yeah. which gave her the job that she needed to get the home that she needed to get her kids back. Like yes. it's it doesn't have to be the big drive to the beach and back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, it, for sure. And I think for that foster parent, the mm-hmm. reason he was willing to go that distance was like you said, that drive. Mm-hmm. Every time they yes. did something for her, she took it and she they gave an inch and she went a mile with that inch and did what she needed to do and proved that, okay, whatever we give her, she Mm -hmm. will make the most of it. Yes. And she really did. That's awesome. I I love that story. I'm probably going to start telling that. Please do. Let me tell you what Katie told me. Please do. (laughs) This fantastic story. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Our very last question for today is going to be, um, what would you say to someone considering becoming a foster parent? I think everything that we've talked about so far, Mm -hmm. Um, I would say to number one, do your research. Mm -hmm. Um, Choosing an agency is a very personal decision, whether you go with an agency or DSS, every agency is different. Mm -hmm. I would say call five or six agencies Mm -hmm. and just talk to them and say, what makes your agency different? Mm -hmm. Attend info sessions. Most of them require some type of info session before you attend the class and that's usually free. Ours Mm -hmm. is a Zoom class two Thursdays a month. And so it's an hour of your time. Mm -hmm. And then you get to know us as an agency because maybe you want to do therapeutic care. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to do family foster care. Maybe you want this age group. Maybe Mm -hmm. you want littler. Maybe you really want to adopt. And some agencies are geared more towards that. Mm -hmm. There are so many different options out there. So I would say do your research. Mm -hmm attend every info session you can get your little hands on mm-hmm. um, and go into it, like you said, with the mindset of this is a ministry. Yeah. This is my mission field. Mm-hmm. These families are my mission field and I'm mm-hmm. going to love them and have empathy for them, have sympathy for them. Understand that these families don't, these kids aren't in the situations they're in because their parents woke up one day and decided Yes. To do these things yes. to them or decided to put them in dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what would really make my day? If I could just hurt a child, exactly. that would just, that's the stress relief I need. No, yes. it comes because these families have often had these things done to mm-hmm. them. So many of these birth families grew up in foster care. Yeah. And nobody stopped that cycle for mm-hmm. them. So whether you stop it through adoption or you stop it through reunification, you stop it through shared parenting telling these families, you can do this. We believe in you. It it really makes all the difference. And so I would say, yeah, just having a level of empathy and ministry mindedness for these families. Awesome. Thank you so much for your experience yeah, and what you do. And it has been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. You too. Thank you guys for all the support you give our kids. Our Literally our first thing when a family calls us and says, I need something. I'm like, well, have you checked Lisa these? So <laughs> That's good. That's a huge part of what <laughs> it, we do. It, it takes it takes us working back and forth together really to to accomplish um, all that these kids need and deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Abby. Thanks for joining us today for Foster Carolinas. 
Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. Everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do.